Chapter Sixteen of A Coin of Edward the Seventh. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Coin of Edward the Seventh by Fergus Hume. Chapter Sixteen The Unexpected Happens. Giles left the merry dancer quite determined to deceive Olga if it were possible. No faith should be kept with such a woman she had power and she was using it unscrupulously for selfish ends moreover come what might giles could not bring himself to make her his wife he loved anne too deeply for that and then he began to ask himself if he were not selfish also seeing that he would not lose his own gratification to save the woman he loved nevertheless he could not contemplate giving up anne with equanimity and set his wits to work in order to circumvent the treacherous olga in the first place he now felt certain that anne was in the neighbourhood and as he shrewdly suspected in the priory the discovery of the coin and the presence of olga in the village made him certain on this point in some way or another she had got to know of anne's whereabouts and had come here to make capital of her knowledge if he consented to surrender anne and make olga his wife she would probably assist anne to escape or else as she asserted clear her of complicity in the crime on the other hand should he refuse she would then tell the police where the unfortunate governess was to be found it might be that anne could save herself but seeing that she had fled immediately after the murder it would be difficult for her to exonerate herself also the reason she had then to take the guilt upon her own shoulders might again stand in the way of her now clearing her character nothing was left but to marry olga and so free anne or seek anne himself where determined to adopt the latter course as the least repugnant to his feelings but olga was no mean antagonist she loved giles so much that she knew perfectly well that he did not love her and this knowledge taught her to mistrust him as her passion was so great she was content to take him as a reluctant husband in the belief that she as his wife would in time wean him from his earlier love but she was well aware that even to save anne he would not give in without a struggle this being the case she considered what he would do it struck her that he would see if he could get into the priory for from some words he had let fall she was convinced that he thought anne was concealed therein olga had her own opinion about that but she had to do with his actions at present and not with her own thoughts for this reason she determined to watch him to be in his company throughout the time of probation thus it happened that before giles could arrange his plans the next day one of which entailed a neighbourly visit to franklin olga made her appearance at his house and expressed a desire to see his picture-gallery of which she had heard much her mother she said was coming over that afternoon to look at the house which as she had been told was a model of what an english country-house should be giles growled at this speech being clever enough to see through the artifices of mademoiselle olga the house is as old as the tudors he expostulated your mother should look at a more modern one oh no replied olga sweetly i am sure she will be delighted with this one it is so picturesque i am afraid that i promised to pay a visit this afternoon ah you must put it off mr ware when two ladies come to see you you really cannot leave them alone if the next day will do i don't think it will my mother and i leave the next day 
she is due in town to a reception at the austrian embassy ware made other excuses but olga would listen to none of them she stopped all the morning and looked at the pictures but she never referred to their conversation of the previous night there was a tacit understanding between them that it should remain in abeyance until the time given for the reply of giles was ended still ware could not forget that burning kiss and was awkward in consequence not so olga she was cool and self-possessed and although alone with him for close on two hours did not show the least confusion giles much disgusted called her in his own mind unmaidenly but she was not that for she behaved very discreetly she was simply a woman deeply in love who was bent on gaining her ends considering the depth of her passion she restrained herself very creditably when with the man she loved giles now saw how it was that she had defied her family and had taken her own way in life i won't stop to luncheon she said when he asked her but i and my mother will come over at three o'clock it was now close on two i am sure we shall have a pleasant afternoon giles tried to smile and succeeded very well considering what his feelings were at the moment if he could only have behaved brutally he would have refused the honour of the proposed visit but it is difficult to be rude to a charming woman bent upon having her own way ware kicked as a man will but ended in accepting the inevitable olga returned to the inn and found the princess seated on the sofa fanning herself violently mrs morris was in the room fluttering nervously as she laid the cloth for luncheon olga looked at her mother did you take your walk she asked the princess nodded i am very warm she said what do you think now asked her daughter impatiently i think that you are a very clever woman olga replied the princess but i am too hungry to talk just now when i have eaten and am rested we can speak but just one word am i right perfectly right this conversation was conducted in french and mrs morris could make nothing of it even if she had known the sense she would not have understood what it meant however olga and her mother reverted to english for the benefit of the landlady and chatted about their proposed visit to ware's mansion after that came luncheon shortly after three mother and daughter were with giles he received them with composure although he felt quite otherwise than composed the princess pronounced him a charming young man and what a delightful place you have here she said looking at the quaint tudor house with its grey walls and mullion windows it is like a fairy palace the castle she meant her husband's residence in styria is cruel-looking and wild it was built in the middle ages said olga i don't think any one was particularly amiable then i would rather have stayed in jamaica sighed the princess why did i ever leave it olga who always appeared annoyed when her mother reverted to her early life touched the elder woman's elbow the princess sighed again and held her peace she had a fine temper of her own but always felt that it was an effort to use it she therefore usually gave in to olga it saved trouble she explained but her good temper did not last all the afternoon and ended in disarranging olga's plans after a hearty afternoon tea on the lawn the princess said that she did not feel well and wished to go home olga demurred 
but giles seeing the chance of escape agreed that the princess really was unwell and proposed to send them back to the inn in his carriage princess caraxay jumped at the offer it will save me walking she declared fretfully and i have done so much this morning where did you go asked giles wondering that so indolent a woman should exert herself on such a hot day to some woods round a place they call the priory to the priory he exclaimed astonished do you know mr franklin my mother said the woods round the priory explained olga with an annoyed glance at the elder lady she did not enter no said the princess i did not enter i do not know the man oh my dear olga do come back i don't feel at all well i will order the carriage said giles rising and you will come back with us really you must excuse me mademoiselle olga he answered but even a country squire has his work to do and with that he hurried away in half an hour he had the satisfaction of seeing the carriage roll down his avenue with a very disappointed young lady frowning at the broad back of the coachman then he set about seeing what he could do to circumvent her it was too late to call on franklin as it was nearly six o'clock still ware thought he would reconnoitre in the woods it was strange that the elder princess should have been there this morning and he wondered if she also knew of anne's whereabouts but this he decided was impossible she had only been a few days in england and she would not likely know anything about the governess still it was odd that she should have taken a walk in that particular direction or that she should have walked at all here was another mystery added to the one which already perplexed him so greatly however time was too precious to be wasted in soliloquizing so he went off post haste towards the woods round the priory since he wished to avoid observation he chose by-paths and took a rather circuitous route it was nearly seven when he found himself in the forest the summer evenings were then at their longest and under the great trees there was a soft brooding twilight full of peace and pleasant woodland sounds had he gone straight forward he would have come on the great house itself centred in that fairy forest but this was the last thing he wished to do he was not yet prepared to see franklin he looked here and there to see if any human being was about but unsuccessfully then he took his way to the spot where he had found the coin of edward the seventh to his surprise he saw a girl stooping and searching at once he decided that she was looking for the lost coin but the girl was not anne looking up suddenly she surveyed him with a startled air and he saw her face plainly in the quiet evening light she had reddish hair a freckled face and was dressed as mrs perry had said in all the colours of the rainbow giles guessed at once who she was and bowed good evening miss franklin he said lifting his hat you seem to be looking for something can i assist you the damsel looked at him sternly and scowled you're trespassing she said in a rather gruff voice i fear that i am he answered laughing but you'll forgive me if i assist you in your search won't you who are you questioned miss franklin quite unmoved by this politeness i never saw you before i have just returned from london my name is ware ware echoed the girl eagerly giles ware yes do you know my name 
she took a good look at him and seemed he was vain enough to think so rather to soften towards him i have heard mrs morley speak of you she declared bluntly ah you have not heard a lady speak of me miss franklin stared no i never heard a lady talk of you she replied with a giggle what lady the lady who is stopping in your house her eyes became hard and she assumed a stony expression there is no lady in the house but myself not a lady who lost what you are looking for this time she was thrown off her guard and became as red as her hair she tried to carry off her confusion with rudeness i don't know what you're talking of she said with a stamp and a frown you can just clear off our land or i'll set the dogs on you i see you keep dogs do you bloodhounds probably how do you know that asked miss franklin staring yes we do keep bloodhounds and they will tear you to pieces if you don't go you seem to forget that this is a civilized country said giles quietly if you set your dogs on me i shall set the police on you the police she seemed startled but recovered herself i don't care for the police she declared defiantly you might not but walter franklin might who is he never heard of him never heard of your uncle said giles and then wondered how he could let her know that he had heard it without confessing to the eavesdropping it suddenly occurred to him that franklin had he supposed on the previous day made a confidant of morley this supposition he took advantage of mr morley told me that your father had mentioned his brother the girl started and thought for a moment oh you mean uncle walter she said after a pause yes but we never talk of him this little speech did not ring quite true it seemed as though the girl wished to back up the saying of her father whether she believed it or not is that why you pretended ignorance he asked that was why replied miss franklin with brazen assurance she was lying giles felt certain of that but he could not bring the untruth home to her he suddenly reverted to the main object of his interview which had to do with the possibility of anne being in the priory what about that coin you are looking for i am looking for no coin she replied quite prepared for him i lost a brooch here have you found it yes replied giles his eyes watchfully on her face it is an edward the seventh coin in the form of a brooch he thought miss franklin would contradict this but she was perfectly equal to the occasion you must have found it since you know it so well please give it to me i have left it at home he answered although it was lying in his pocket-book and that next to his heart i will give it to you to-morrow if you tell me from whom you got it i found it she confessed in the churchyard ah a sudden light flashed into the darkness of ware's mind by the grave of that poor girl who was murdered i don't know of any murdered girl retorted miss franklin and looked uneasy as though she were conscious of making a mistake yes you do and you know the lady who cleans the stone and attends to the grave don't deny the truth miss franklin looked him up and down and shrugged her clumsy shoulders i don't know what you are talking about she declared and with that turned on her heel since you will not take yourself off like a gentleman i'll go myself and she went don't set the bloodhounds on me called out giles but she never turned her head simply went on with a steady step until she was lost in the gloom of the wood 
giles waited for a time he had an idea that she was watching by and by the feeling wore off and knowing by this time that he was quite alone he also departed he was beginning to doubt franklin for this girl had evidently something to conceal he was sure that anne was being sheltered in the house and that it was anne who cleaned the gravestone perhaps george franklin was giving her shelter since she had helped his rascal of her brother to escape thus thinking he went through the wood with the intention of going home a glance at his watch told him it was after eight suddenly it occurred to him that it would be a good time to pay a visit to the graveyard and see if anything new had been done to the grave all the people were within doors at this hour and the churchyard would be quiet having made up his mind he walked in the direction of the church and vaulted the low wall that divided that graveyard from the park he saw daisy's grave bending over it a woman she looked up with a startled cry it was anne denham End of chapter 16 Read by Celine Major